You're listening to The Front Lines, a podcast for the people that truly make mountain biking happen. Not the riders, racers, or product designers, but the builders, advocates, and the often forgotten board members of your local mountain bike trail association. answer the question of what Frontlines is, I'd like to start with where we're at in the sport of mountain biking. As mountain bikers, we belong to a tight-knit community. From a local sense, that community can literally be small sometimes. But as mountain bikers, we also belong to a much larger global community, one that helps us find friends all over the world through a shared passion. But we're no longer niche. We have the attention of the world, and it's evident in the numbers. In a 2012 study, 25% of bicycles sold were mountain bikes. And if you dig a little bit deeper into those stats, we'll see that road bikes only accounted for 20% and hybrids were 24%. In the United States alone, the cycling industry is estimated to be at $6.1 billion a year. And a quick estimate and a little bit of assuming means that mountain biking is at least a $1.5 billion a year industry. And again, that's in the U.S. only. How else is mountain biking evident in the mainstream? I think a great example of this is how advertisers have used the sport to promote a wide variety of products, automobiles, cell phones. So what does this have to do with the subject of this podcast? Well, we're part of a billion dollar a year industry, but we often forget that in order to ride mountain bikes, we need trails, and more importantly, we need access to those trails. And those trails and that access are often taken for granted. And sure, everyone loves a trail builder. And don't get me wrong, I love the men and women who maintain my local trails. But there's often a whole support crew that allows them to do it. Whether it's land access, liability insurance, fundraising, there's a ton of hours that go into a trail before a shovel even touches dirt. And that's only if the builder holding that shovel is volunteering their time. So this podcast is about the entire process and about every role that needs to be filled at a local trail association and how that's done all over the world. Some of us have different laws and different rider needs, but the vast majority of us maintain trails on land that isn't ours. We can all learn from each other's success stories and perhaps even failures. My name is Brent Hillier, and I'm in no means an expert in most of the topics that we'll be discussing. But the great thing about the global community of mountain biking is we can always find someone who is. And this show will be a platform to listen and learn from a wide variety of guests, as well as a space for discussion to share our experiences. I'd like to welcome our very first guest to the Frontlines podcast, Mr. Jay Darby. Jay is the current president of the Mountain Bikers of the Central Okanagan, also known as MTB Co., out in Kelowna, British Columbia, Canada. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Brent. It's good to be here to speak with you. Yeah. So how long have you been with uh, MTB Co.? So I started with MTB Co. in the winter of 2010, spring 2011. I went to the AGM and kind of put my hand up and, and I've been there ever since. <laughs> And did you start out as the the president or uh, or was there another role that you had that first year? 
uh, the very first year we had a fairly large board and we kind of kind of divested the responsibilities, you know, out to different groups of people. I worked with kind of sponsorship and marketing, and that was kind of one of the things I wanted to uh, start helping the club with is something I thought I could, you know, lend some benefit to. And then as the club kind of just rolled on, I took more and more responsibility every year to the point of becoming the president. So, and, and where was the state of the club uh, when, when you got involved, has it evolved much over the years? And you know what? We've kind of had about three phases since I started on with MTB Co. Uh, as I said, in that initial year, the 2011, we had a fairly large board and we were doing a lot of things. Um, everybody was kind of a little, not uncoordinated, but everybody had their responsibilities and they were undertaking them well. But we were doing a lot of disparate things without a lot of internal communication. Um, and we kind of shrunk the board after that going into 2012, 2013, we got a new board, uh, all fresh faces. There was very few uh, con- people that con- continued on from the board previous to that. And that's kind of when we started our sort of our current phase. And then over two to three years, we've kind of lost people one by one and, and got new people onto the board that, and that's kind of where the state we're at now is we've slowly morphed into, into where we're at here in 2016. So would you say that uh, just kind of by making the the size of the board a little bit smaller, did that kind of aid in communication or were there some other factors that, uh, that helped with that? I think it aided in communication and focus. It allowed us to, you know, figure out what we really wanted to do, who we really were. Um, you know, with large boards, it's hard to keep everybody active too. If you've got too many people and not enough like things for them to pour their heart and energy into, you end up with with board members that don't have something to do almost, you know, depending on the organization. Yeah, I, I think I think most organizations would probably have the opposite problem where <laughs> where there's there's too much to do. So, I mean, that yeah. kind of segues in, into the next thing I wanted to ask you, which is, you know, how much time do you uh, put into this uh, on, on any given week? Personally, uh, depending on the year, I put in probably 10 to 15 hours a week uh, mm-hmm. between MTB Co. and the other nonprofits I'm also on. Yeah. And and sorry, just to, to kind of let the listeners know, the, the other organizations that you're part of? I'm president of Friends of the South Slopes, which is another trail advocacy group in the Okanagan. And then I'm the founding president of the Central Okanagan Trails Alliance, which is a board made up of um, other of members of other boards of of trail groups. So it's kind of to get everybody at the same table talking. So you started off, uh, with marketing and, and sponsorship. What, uh, what other roles does the club have right now on the board? Um, right now. So we've, we've kind of been on an expansion, let's say in the last year or so of, of increasing the roles we had where, as I said, we kind of shrunk the board a little bit and, and got down to a focus We've now branched out and we've kind of redistributed roles and acquired new people with skills that allow them to take on responsibilities that we used to have to do as a board. So right now, our main kind of areas we work is we do a, a social Toonie Ride series. We do a, uh, we call it the Crawford Kickoff, which is kind of our spring break into summer event. And then we do our trail work, and which has mostly been sitting on the legalization end as of late. We're doing less trail days and more just working on getting our legalization with Gallard going. So that's kind of our three main areas as we do our, our continue, continual social events, our seasonal social events, and then the trail development, trail legalization stuff. And, and how many people are on the board? Uh, currently, we sit at 12. So what would you say the, the, the biggest struggle 
for the board right now? Is it that that legal uh, issue with gaining access to to Gallard, one of your riding areas? I think that as an organization, that's been a long-term goal. It's been something we we sat down when I started with the club, as I said, in 2011, 2010, we were at a point where there'd been a failed legalization process. Uh, we had just completed the bike park was about a year and a half, two years old. Um, so they, there'd been some successes and been some failures. And, and as I said, the, that board kind of disappeared within that first year and we got a whole bunch of new people at the table and we made it our focus to kind of resurrect the organization or, or redirect the organization to a, a focused place. Uh, one of those things is we had, um, you know, some liabilities we hadn't taken care of. We owed insurance from the year before. So we had to pay like two insurance bills our first the first year where I was really involved with the club. You know, we had some other liabilities that hadn't been taken care of. We fixed all that, brought the cub into the green, you know, or in the black, I should say. So we've, you know, got a nest egg we can work with and then started the legalization process. And that was a four year, like, you know, big project to undertake. In the meantime, we're still trying to do the day to day, you know, workings of the club, continue with our social events, continue working with the city and the regional district, which we do very closely. Um, so that's been, you know, the focus has always been doing this legalization thing while at the same time maintaining the already existing programs the club had created when it started. And those programs would be maintaining trails and, and your, your race series, that kind of thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So a lot of organizations have kind of a, a what I what I refer to as a burnout rate. So you mm-hmm. know, after a few years, uh, the the board will will kind of get burnt out and and they'll kind of all pitter off and, and kind of cease to exist. Totally. And, yeah. And totally. It, yeah. It sounds like that happened, but you guys kind of had some momentum and and you you kept things rolling without having uh, you know a, a, a lull year that or even you know a few lull years and and so is that something that you guys actively worked hard to make sure that things kept going or was it a a situation where you had some some new blood come into the board i think the the um the board shrinkage was definitely due to that you know there was some burnout and and we lost people and then trying to attract new people it's hard to find people that have the time and the passion to want to invest you know their soul so to speak into you know, legalizing trails or, or trying to develop a mountain bike community. It's, you know, it's not an easy task to sit down and do. And, and that was kind of a, a little bit of a struggle for a couple of years, but we always, with the focus of legalizing a trail network being the, the one thing we just did not want to let go of, you know, it helped us, you know, keep some of the builders involved. It helped, you know, show the community we had something we wanted to do. And I think that was important, even engaging the community at the social events, which they were participating in, whether or not we were going to legalize a trail network. It gave us a story to tell that people could attach themselves to and be like, yeah, MTB Co. is doing this. This is where they are with it. This is what they're planning on accomplishing. I think it's a it's a handy thing to have that, you know, that long term vision, you know, to be a club it's established and has its trail networks and has its trail days and all of that. I'm sure that's easier, (laughs) but you know, when you're a smaller club or when you're a club that, you know, is currently like working towards something, it's nice to be able to have to be able to tell that story. Mm. Is that, is that one of the big reasons why you do it? Um, personally, I, I'm a glutton for punishment. I think, I don't know. (laughs) It, um, you know, it's, I enjoy the, I enjoyed the tough parts about it, actually. That, that's one of the reasons I'm involved, I think. And I believe in our goal. You know, I believe that that legalized trails and formalized trail networks are an important asset to mountain biking in BC. 
I've worked in the industry and, and I, you know, I've, I've always firm been firm believer in, in what Imba has been doing and what the various clubs have been doing. And, you know, I came to Catalonia with a, with a, a chance to, to participate in that. And I, I took that opportunity and I've been wholeheartedly invested in it since then. Mm. So, so do you think that the, you know, clubs and, and, and trails and advocacy and access to trails, do you think that, that, um, that sits on the shoulders of, of people like yourself who, who kind of have that, uh, you know, they, they pile their plate full. Right. And is that just mm-hmm. something that we, we rely on those people? You know, I think as a as an industry, as a community, we do, and I think that perhaps you know some clubs and organizations, and you know individuals like myself, who are willing to pilot upon ourselves, who are willing to take on that responsibility, we do a disservice perhaps to ourselves and the community by not trying to better educate people about the importance of trail legalization, trail advocacy, you know, communicating with other user groups, communicating with municipalities and the city and that type of thing Mm. you know we sit here and do it and i don't know if we really do the best job of communicating to the community what we're actually doing or or why we're doing it or why it needs to be done i think that you know we get we're busy and we get caught up in just doing the job that we don't even explain well enough what the job we're doing is to the general public and obviously outside of the mountain bike world as well right Mm mm-hmm yeah. So, so how can, how can we change that? I mean, let's, you know, is there, is there a way that we can do better as mountain bikers to, to try to explain to people, whether it's other mountain bikers or, or folks in, in other demographics, you know, runners, hikers, equestrians to kind of show what, what it is that we do. Um, you know, I think organization, you know, being part of an organization, belonging to the clubs, you know, volunteering your time when you have it is an important step that all, you know, mountain bikers really should take if they have the ability to do that, or even a little bit of a want, you know, if you think you should be doing that, or you think you'd be interested in it, I think it would behoove most, you know, mountain bike community members to go out and, you know, access the club and go, what can I do to help? Yeah. Um, I also think it's, it does rest on the club's shoulders to explain to the community what they need. You know, as we said, we can run an organization with a small board because those are the decision makers, but the on the ground people, the people that run the events or volunteer at trail days, you know, those are the people that it's actually hard to attract or hard to get dedicated individuals that want to come out you know, over and over and over again, and not just show up with a shovel or a rake and help out, but want to organize on the day who's holding a rake and what they're raking. You know, that's not necessarily what the board should be doing. It's having that like core group of volunteers that's willing to kind of not be at the decision-making table, but show up and help run events and, and run trail days and that yeah, type of thing. Yeah. yeah. What, um, what role do you, do you need help with right now? going forward um right now we've actually set ourselves up in the last year uh, pretty well with we we got some some new blood in that has been taken over our social events and they really kind of went forward with it and and organized it in a different way where they had a a broad group of people running them rather than one or two people and you know it it really kind of moved the workload across a bunch of different hands so that one person wasn't responsible for being at every single social event, you know, and that was very productive. And we'd love to see that happen with trail days. We'd love to see, you know, three or four people come forward that, that want to just coordinate trail days so that the board can, you know, schedule them, organize them, deal with BC parks, deal with forest lands and natural resource operations, you know, and promote an event, but have, people that are willing to be there to organize the trail day to say, I'm going to lead the work crew or I'm going to, you know, designate 
volunteers to do such and such an activity during the trail day. Do you think that, um, that in the future there's an opportunity for a paid role in, in a situation like that? I know there's some communities that, uh, that do either pay trail builders or, or trail day leaders. Is that a, an opportunity that you think that, uh, that could be attained? I think it's a workable model. I think it's uh, definitely there's a benefit to having paid individuals running trail days or running trail crews. Um, the other organization I work with, Friends of the South Slopes, you know, we've been very good at at acquiring funding and hiring professional paid trail builders and then using our volunteer workforce as kind of like the cleanup crew where we we go in and, and have these paid trail builders or paid trail crew clean large corridors of trail but we're paying them to do the labor and the, sorry, the professional work. And then we're getting our volunteers to do the labor intensive, like the swamping, removing the brush cut, removing the, you know, branches and, and stuff from the trail beds after the paid trail crew has gone through. But then as far as an organizational and coordinating path, I think that's also, you know, there's an advantage to having paid trail crew, the taps program in, in North Vancouver being, you know, a really good example of, of how well that can work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And obviously, you know, funding is, is the, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. key thing to that, right? And, and so what, what types of things does, uh, does MTB Co. do for funding? Right now, we survive fairly, uh, fairly well on just membership and then sponsorship donations from bike shops. We don't solicit uh, corporate donations or many grants right now. Being an organization that doesn't, uh, you know, have authority over a trail network or, uh, or something like that, you know, that prevents us from some accesses to funding but we've been working very well just on you know community donations and membership and then then shop shop sponsorship mm. we all of the shops in Kelowna uh sponsor the organization which covers most of our yearly costs and then the membership dues all go into our you know account which basically sits there waiting for the day when we can start doing trail trail work in Gallard. We've been running a very lean organization with the eye to that we need to have this, you know, kitty ready to go when we're on the ground in Gallard. Mm. That's, that's awesome. I mean, that's uh that's great foresight to have that. So, and, and then, you know, I'm sure the, the big question that you get asked constantly is, is when does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, the trail legalization process in BC is a very, you know, complicated you know, process, it, it involves a lot of stakeholders. It involves a lot of levels of government. Despite what, what most people would think all over the world, right? I mean, most people look yeah. to, to BC and say like, oh, they've got it so good over there. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and I think it's important to acknowledge that the, the hoops you got to go through and the steps you got to, you got to go up are important, you know, and it's, it's ensuring that the right networks are legalized and that the right organizations you know, take on the stakeholder role. I mean, it's important to, to acknowledge that, that it is a, I think it's an appropriate process, but I don't think anybody really in the general mountain bike community understands what that process is. Mm. And, you know, from the club perspective, we talk about it all the time and we know what we're doing, but the community kind of, I don't want to say they don't get it, but they don't fully comprehend what the long-term process is. Um, uh, you know, and where we are right now is, you know, we've signed our, our trail use agreement or sorry, uh, uh, partnership agreement, they call it. And we're waiting for a signed copy to come back. But in the meantime, we're working on some timeline things. I mean, it's we have to submit a timeline of this is when we're going to accomplish these goals going forward that have to happen with the network. And from, um, 
the rec sites and trails perspective and from our perspective, we want to make sure those goals are accomplishable in the timeline provided. So there's a lot of back and forth, you know, and they're busy individuals. The rec sites and trails, BC, you know, as I've learned through this process is, you know, I think they're, they're underfunded and understaffed and they just don't have the time to respond to this process as quickly as they would like to, you know, the individuals we work with are great individuals and they're really interesting people that really believe in, in having proper recreation areas and, and they're just, you know, they're, they're taxed on their end too. Yeah. And an engaged land manager, but at the same time, you know, under, underfunded and and under-resourced as well. Hmm. We, I find the same, you know, with friends of the South slopes, I work with BC parks and through MTB co we also work with BC parks. We just, Recently, last year, signed a volunteer agreement with them as well, where we'll be working in the local trail network through BC Parks. And it's the same in that organization. You know, I think that the mountain bike community and the recreational community, let's say, at large, you know, equestrian users and runners and hikers and all that. You know, I think we need to start stepping up as a broader group and saying, like, look, you know, all these organizations we work with at the government level, they need more help. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. So – what can the, the community do, uh, you know, in the interim? Uh, in Kelowna, in regards to like our Section 57 process or just in regards to... Yeah, uh, I mean, your community supporting of... Supporting us at large. Yeah, supporting you at large. You know, your community of riders. Is there is there something that they can do to help you? Is there something that they can stop doing that's hurting you? You know, what, um, what do you need from them? I think, you know, the biggest thing that all organizations, you know, need from the community is buy-in. And it does, that doesn't mean like attending every event. You know, it means... Sure, buying a membership is important, but in the end, it's buying into what we're doing, you know, mm. believing in the goal, believing in the process and understanding that it's that it's a necessary thing to happen because that way when they're out there and they believe in what we're doing and somebody starts talking about it, they go, oh, yeah, you know, MDB code, they're legalizing Gallard. That's something that's really cool. You know, if they're telling people that, then the, then the right message is going across. And then we end up with more support. We end up with more people at trail days. We end up with more people at social events. You know, I think that's the key thing is just ensuring that, you know, you, you believe in what your local club is doing. Or if you don't believe in what you're doing, if you think they're not, you know, meeting the demands of the community, stepping up and, and asking them what why they're not doing what you think they should be doing or or volunteering your time. We in the five years I've been on the board, I, I get the questions and I use an example of Laud is people come forward and go, How come MTB Co doesn't host races? We do our Tooney rides are a social ride. So they're a, a led group ride, not a race. And I go, Well, you know, MTBco would love to host races. Do you want to come on board and help us host races? And the answer is usually, well, no, I want you guys to do it. And I go, well, you know, there's eight of us or 12 of us at the board and we're doing this, 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 and this. And we all also have kids or we have jobs or we have other responsibilities, you know, that take up, you know, our normal everyday time. It's like, we'd love to host a race series. How about you and three of your friends come and volunteer to be the race series organizers? Yeah. And then you usually get a blank stare and they walk away. <laughs> and so, so what's next for, for MTB Co? I, I assume, do you have an AGM coming up? Uh, our AG, we're hosting an AGM in the spring. A lot of clubs do it in the fall. And we kind of determined recently that, that the spring's just kind of a better time. People are excited about riding. The season's kind of coming up. They've been through a long, cold winter. And so everybody's a little bit more enthusiastic. And then hopefully by spring, by the time of our AGM set, we'll ha- be all ready to go to be on the ground in Gallard for uh, for the time the snow leaves. Awesome. 
Yeah. Well, I, I want to, you know, just say thank you for, uh, for taking the time and, uh, and being on the show. I really appreciate it. No problem, Brent. So here's the opportunity for you, the listener, to get involved. My discussion with Jay touched on a number of topics, and I'd like to expand the discussion on all of them. So if you'd like to join that discussion, then I encourage you to do so. Send me an email, brent at bikeski.ca. You can also find me on various social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram as at BrentskiBikeski. I'd love to get your thoughts on a number of topics, including board burnout, help with social media, attracting new board members, trail day leaders, committed volunteers, having paid builders, gaining the funding to make that possible, educating the community and getting them engaged, what Jay referred to as buy-in. Huge thanks to Lee Rosevere for our podcast music and the song Tech Toys. And last but not least, if you like the show, then rate us on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you use to listen to us. And if you have the time, leave us a review. It's not just to make me feel better about myself, but it also helps other listeners find us. I'm Brent Hillier. This is Frontlines. Thanks for listening to us and happy trails.